couldn't help but think about some verses that the Lord gives us, amen? Church, you know His Word is so powerful, amen? It's so powerful. It's, it's food to my spirit, amen? I may not need to eat all the time, but I want to tell you, I need to be full of God's Word, amen? It is the very bread of life that the Lord has given us, amen? And we should partake of that bread. We should break that bread. We should partake of it. Remember what he said in the Last Supper? He said, you must eat of my flesh. You must drink of my blood. You must partake of all of me, even the crucified me, amen, that was shed for you, that the body that was broken for you. I am dying to give you this availability unto me. It's going to be within you bellies, rivers of living water. It was a mystery that was kept hidden from all of mankind until that point and until this very day that God would choose to dwell within you and I for Christ to be in us. Amen. It is a wonderful thing to think about. It's a wonderful thing to dwell upon. Brother Billy was just talking about revival that comes from the Word of God where he says, Will you not revive us once more, O Lord? The word revive does not mean new life. It doesn't mean that you have an entirely new life. Instead, it means that there was an old life, and that old life was down, that old life had perished, and now you are brought back to life once more. Amen. And I think that's where many of us are at a lot of times in our Christian walk. We get down, we get out, we are almost in a place to where we're dead spiritually, and we ask of the Lord to revive us once more, to bring back to life that passion, to bring back to life that excitement, to bring back to life that joy of our salvation, to bring it back once more, amen, to be full of Christ and all of His glory, all of His compassion, all of His love, no matter how we feel and no matter how the circumstances literally to be overflowing once more, to revive us once more, amen. And it does start with you and I. It starts individually, it starts here, and then it starts there, and it's there, and it's there, and it's there. And individually, it is going through all of us until we're at a point as a whole, as a body, as a church, as a people, we have been revived once more in the Lord. You say, well, Brother Joey, that sounds really great and wonderful, but I want you to know I am so far off in this desert place, in this dry place, I can hear you speaking, and I know you're speaking truth, but I can't, I don't have the power, I don't have the strength, I don't have the unction, I don't have it within me to get up and to move towards that, to begin to act out in the Lord once more, to begin to accept that and live in that capacity once more. Well, I got some good news for you today talking about revival, amen. The Word of God tells us in Luke 19 and 10, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So no matter how far away you are, I want you to know that it is the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to seek you out 
We were just singing about being rescued. Church, I want you to know that He is the lighthouse. He is the one that is shining that beacon in the darkness. It's piercing through all of the storm. It's the voice that's calling out in the darkness. He's the one that is going out and is looking for that one lost sheep. The other ones may remain here, but he goes out into the storm. He braves all the turbulence. He goes into that place, and he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you feel lost this morning, it is the role of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be searching, to be looking for you. Amen. Come on, can I get a praise on that today? Mm. Well, Brother Joey, I'm like an elephant. I'm just dead this morning. You don't have to be. Amen. It's not about just getting up and getting excited in the house of God and in His presence, but it's about a relationship. And church, that's what I want to minister on today. I do have a Father's Day message for you this morning. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 14 this morning. I'm going to try and get you out of here on time this morning. I can't promise that I will, but I will try. I know many of you have dinner dates, amen, with your father, your grandfather, whomever that may be this morning with your family. By the way, thank you for choosing to come and celebrate your Father's Day with us here today and amidst your fellow brothers and sisters, amen. We have a tendency on days like this to make it all about ourselves, do we not? It's like birthdays. Today's my birthday. Well, usually when we say that, it's about getting whatever we want, is it not? Okay, two of you that agree with me. Thank you for coming to celebrate your Father's Day with us here today at church and also with your fellow brothers and sisters. Amen. It is much appreciated. I'm glad to see you in the house of the Lord today that you as a father, you as a man, said, I want to be in God's house today and I want to be with my fellow brothers and sisters. Amen. It's a choice that you made, so I welcome you here today, and I'm glad to see you in the house of the Lord. Church, whenever we begin to talk about fathers, we're talking about men, but what we're really talking about is a relationship. You see, the only reason that that man is a father is because what we would define is the relationship we have with that man which makes that man a father. Therefore, our relationship with our Heavenly Father is 100% determined also not just by who God is as our Heavenly Father, but also through the relationship that you and I have with our Heavenly Father. And I want to tell you first and foremost, not just to the fathers and the men, but all of you here today, is that the relationship you have with the Heavenly Father is going to be solely through the relationship that you have with His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ tells us in very explicit terminology that He is the way, He is the truth, and he is the life, and that no man is able to come to the Father but by him. The Lord has set up specific ways. He's set up specific doctrine. He's set up specific things for you and I 
to have all of these great relationships. When we're talking about Christ living in us, it's through Jesus Christ. When we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, of God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us, it's through the relationship we have through Jesus Christ. When we talk about our Heavenly Father, it is also through the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. So I want you to know the greatest relationship that you will ever have, you will ever pursue, is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Church, isn't that wonderful to think about? Mm. In relation to all these relationships, I want you to know this morning, and it is a truth I think all of us would agree with, that people let us down over and over and over again. In fact, the more trust sometimes we put in certain people, the more we get let down, we get our hearts broken, we get our feelings stepped on, we have all these things. People are going to be people whether they're believers or not. Amen. Can I get an amen on this? But your heavenly Father will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never let you down. And church, I want to look at that just a moment this morning. Come on, I'm not going to keep you long today. I want to look at that just a moment. By the way, no church tonight because it is a holiday. But I do want to invite you to the men's fellowship tomorrow night and to our Wednesday night service, amen, because I know they're going to be great and wonderful. Both of those will start at 6.30 p.m. So please, if you're a man by the age of 22 and older, come out and join us tomorrow night and Wednesday night, Brother Cobb usually teaches the adults and we have other teachers for the other age groups and the children and the youth. Brother Cobb's doing a fantastic job along with the other teachers, amen. So please come out and join us also for the Wednesday night service. Everybody in John chapter 14, amen. Starting off at verse 1 this morning. The disciples had began to get worried about their relationship with with the Savior. Jesus Christ, knowing what was coming, knowing that he was going to have to go to the cross, knowing that he was going to have to be persecuted, knowing that he was going to have to take all of the sins of the world that ever had been, all of the sins of the world that were present, all of the sins of the world that ever would be, Jesus Christ knew that he was the sacrificial lamb. In fact, he was sent for this very purpose. He came down here. He lived a perfect and holy life. He never sinned, not one time, never broke any of God's laws. According to man, he broke many of their laws. But I want to tell you, it was man-made laws. It was not the laws of God. Jesus Christ never sinned, never broke any law, not in thought and not in deed. He was tempted just as you and I were in every temptation, but he never sinned, not one time. He knew that he was going to have to go to the cross that he was going to be crucified, he was going to be persecuted, he was going to be beaten, he was going to be broken, he was going to shed his perfect and holy and precious blood so that you and I could be delivered, not just now, but for an eternity. He was going to restore that relationship which had originally been broken down in the garden whenever sin entered into mankind and mankind was cast out of the garden. He was going to restore that relationship. And I want to tell you, he did restore that relationship. You and I have access to all the blessings of the Father and all the blessings of the Son through our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
but he began to tell them what was to come. Just as when we gather in church, as I stand up here to preach, as other ministers talk about the Word of God, we are trying to tell you what is going on, what is truth, how we should live, what is also going to come. I want to tell you, there is going to come a day, there is going to come an hour when we're not going to be in the age of grace anymore, but it will be a time of judgment. And at that moment, that day, that hour, if the Lord tarries, and you're still here, it will be too late for you to turn from your wicked ways and to accept the relationship with Jesus Christ, which is the only life-saving relationship that is available to us. Can I get an amen on that? He began to prep them. He began to talk to them about what was to come. They didn't want to hear it. We oftentimes don't want to hear it, do we? We say, man, life is good for me. I just got the job. We just had a baby. We just had this. We had a grandchild. I just retired. My 401k is fat. I got this. I got that. We got our health. Church, the Bible tells us that life is but a vapor, that we're here today and we're gone tomorrow. It's, it's that fast. Our daughter is 11 years old. It seems like two weeks ago she was a newborn and we were bringing her home. I watched her play ball yesterday in Slidell. She's this tall. I'm thinking, what happened to my baby? <laughs> of course, she didn't want to hang out with me. She wanted to go run around with her friends. That was probably what prepped her a little bit of that, what happened to my baby. They still like to crawl up in your lap. You better hug them now. You better hug them now. He began to speak. About what was to come. They didn't want to hear it. In fact, Peter would say, Lord, you're never going to leave us. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord would look at him previous to these verses and would say, before the, before the rooster crows three times, you are going to deny me thrice three times. You're going to deny me. Then he began to speak these words to them. Verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled, if you believe in God, you believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. So he began to speak to them, not just of what was to come, but now he gives them some encouraging words, and he also brings his Heavenly Father, he brings our Heavenly Father into the mix, and he basically tells them this, that in my Father's house, there are going to be many, many mansions. And I'm going to go there. And as I go there, I'm going to begin to build and I'm going to prepare, to prepare this place for you. If this was not a truth about my father's house, I would not have told you all these things. And if I go there, I will not just stay there, but I am telling you a truth. I'm telling you a fact. I will, I will, I will come back for you. 
as I come back for you, I will receive you unto myself into my Father's house for an eternity, my Lord. Well, Brother Joey, why is that so significant? I'll tell you why. It represents the parable of the ten virgins. Anyone know the parable? You see, in Jewish custom, first they would have to betroth themselves and they would have to stay together for a year. They weren't they was not technically married for that year, but they were promised to one another. It was what we would call like today an engagement. And there was many things they were determining over that year. One thing they had to determine is that the wife wasn't already pregnant. I'm just being honest with you. And so they gave a year to make sure that wasn't happening. They had to be faithful to one another. They, they would not lay together. They would not live together, but they were promised to one another. In fact, whenever Mary was found with child, her and Joseph were in this year. And she comes to Joseph and she says, I'm with child, but I haven't laid with a man. And he responded like we all would have. Yeah, right. They were in that year of being betrothed, promised to one another. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to put her away because there were strong customs in place at that time. Some people even stoned them for that. But the parable of the ten virgins tells us this. It tells us that there were ten virgins that were ready because you see in their custom what they would do is they were promised to one another, but the son would go to his father and he would speak with his father and his father would, be, would begin to build and prepare a room for them, prepare a place for them, as we would call today, prepare a house for them. And only the father knew when this room, when this house would be ready. And as soon as it was ready, he would let the son, he would let the uh, bridegroom know when it was ready and the son would go and receive his bride. Sometimes it was at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, amen? So the parable of the ten virgins said that they were all waiting for the bridegroom to come back and some of them had oil. Come on, some of them were prepared. Some of them were ready for the return of the bridegroom. Some of them was ready to go into the Father's house, amen? Some of them had their candles lit. Some of them were still excited and waiting and looking for the Lord to return. And there were others that were not ready. They did not have enough oil. They were not prepared. They wanted to dwell in darkness. And the Bible tells us that it was too late for them when they tried to turn back and get more oil. They tried to beg of the oil, come on, of the others that had oil. And they said, we cannot give you ours, then we won't have enough. So he is speaking here about this specific purpose, that the Father has prepared a place for you and I. Amen? And this is going to be a house of many, many mansions, and there's going to be a place for you and I, and we are going to come back and be received through the relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, into the Father's house for an eternity. Church, is that good to think about this morning? Woo! Hallelujah. I want to go through just a few things with you today. Like I said, I'm not going to keep you long today. Y'all stay with me just a few more minutes. About the actual roles and responsibilities of a father. And I want you to look at yourself, not just you men this women, this morning, but also you women. Because it all comes through the relationship with Jesus Christ. Are we walking in these things? Are we availing ourselves to these things? Are we allowing our Heavenly Father to be present 
of these things in our lives, or have we chosen to go our own or separate ways? First thing I want to tell you about a father is a father is the spiritual head of the family. The Bible tells us this. In fact, it talks about Jesus Christ being that husbandman, being that father. We are the bride of Christ, amen? And it tells us that Christ is the head of the church. In your own specific lives, and I want to speak to you mothers, you ladies this morning, how many of us can attest today that when the man, when the father decides to do what is right and decides to be that man, to be that father, that all of a sudden everything just starts clicking in the family? God has appointed you men, you fathers, to be the spiritual head of your family. Now, don't let no beat your chest and let this go all to your head, amen? I knew it by God told me the man's over the woman. I knew it. Come from my rib. Preach it, huh? I heard somebody say that. <laughs> no, no, no. The man and the woman have a specific purpose, amen? In fact, God created the woman to be with the man and to walk beside the man. Not behind the man but beside the man. In fact, the word help me, I hate to throw this a little kink in your doctrine there, help mate, help me, do you know what it actually means? Anybody know? It means someone who is the opposite of you. Wow. You ever notice how you and your spouse are opposite? That's because you're designed to be that way. It is someone who is opposite of you, yet you can live together in perfect harmony, make decisions together, love one another despite all this, be together. It is a help me. To help me means someone who has an opposite viewpoint of what you have. God has called the woman to be the help me, the help mate of the man. But he has called the man to be the spiritual head of the family. I want to tell you today, whether you women agree with me or not, biblically, the Bible tells us that if the man is walking after the Lord, that the Lord will give the man spiritual direction, discernment, and guidance and wisdom to help lead the family spiritually. And as the man leads the family spiritually, the man also depends upon our Heavenly Father, hallelujah, to give him all that he needs. It is alignment with the Lord. I've had women tell me this before. I would love to follow my husband. I would love to follow a man if they were truly walking after the Lord. But because they have chosen to be selfish and to only do what they want to do and their time is so precious and this and that, I end up taking the kids to church. I end up doing this. I end up doing that. And the man is not truly walking in his proper office. I want to tell you today to you men, I'm not getting on you. I'm speaking the word of God unto you today. If you will decide to get serious with the Lord, God will instantly, instantly take you into that role as being the spiritual head of the family. Can I get an amen on that? God has alignment and he has order for everything. Amen? And the man, the father, is called to be the spiritual head of the family. Now, that doesn't mean that the woman doesn't have specific roles. Amen? 
all you men, you are not called to be the primary nurturer of the children. Can I get an amen on that from you men? One, we don't usually have the patience for it, do we? You know why men don't work in daycares? Because they'd all have straight jackets on. I'd be the first one to go insane. God has called us for specific purposes, specific places, amen? And we each have a plan. We each have a purpose. God wants us to be in alignment with how he created us. Can I get an amen on that? I told a lady here recently, y'all don't shoot me down. It's the word of God. She was living a lesbian lifestyle. She told me this, Brother Joey, do you think that my lifestyle is correct? I said, I have one question for you. I said, do you wish that you would have been born a man? She said, yes, I do. I said, well, based off that, you are completely out of alignment with the Word of God. God makes no mistakes. Amen. If you were supposed to be a man, he would have made you a man. The men that want to be women, if you were supposed to be a woman, he would have made you a woman. Now, I said that to say this to you ladies also. If you were supposed to be the spiritual head of your family, if you have a man, a father in your life, God would have made you a man. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, you men, thank you. Secondly, God, the Father, is the provider of all things. Church, how many of us could just sit and talk for hours about the blessings of the Lord? Amen? I can't tell you how many times He's delivered me and my family. I can't tell you how many times He's blessed us. I can't tell you how many times we were wondering how things were going to come about what we were going to do, what was going to be provided. In every single instance, not one time did God ever fail. I want you to know that God, hallelujah, is the provider of all things. Your heavenly Father is your provider. You men, you fathers, you have a responsibility appointed by the Lord to be a provider of your family. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to tell us if you don't work, you don't eat. Amen? God has called us to specific places, specific positions, but in order for us to receive anything of the Lord, it may come through your working, it may come through your efforts, but I want to tell you, you did not achieve it. It was God working in and through you that gave you all of the provision that you have. We have this mindset that we can work and we can get everything that we need off the sweat of our brows and off the load that we put on our back. I want to tell you, that is an American lie. The Bible tells us that He is the giver of all good things, that He is the Father of lights, and every good thing comes down from above. Amen. In Him is no variableness nor no shadow of turning. Every bit of provision that you have now in your life did not come from you. It came from our Heavenly Father. Can we praise Him today for that? 
I've seen God give me jobs. I've seen him give me favor. I had a guy tell me at work one time, it was the worst place I ever worked in my life. It was down in Homa, Louisiana. They all hated everybody. They hated the Lord. They all were crazy. Not really. It was pretty bad. God told me one time, he said, I don't even know why I like you. That's what he said. I said, it sounds like you like me a lot. God's favor, amen. Just a little bit of provision that the Lord gave you. God gave you your job that you have now, amen, so that you can work and you can provide as a father, as a man, but it comes from the Lord. Don't get your wires crossed that you can achieve all and you can do all and you can get all by yourself. It only comes from above. It only comes from our Heavenly Father. I've told you many times, I can't even stand up here and speak unto you without an anointing of the Lord. Amen? God has to quicken. He has to give me this word so that I can give it to you, not to be articulate. Sure, I can get up here and speak proper, and I can do this, and I can do that, and I can have four points, and I can go through the motions and have all these little things. I can do that. I'm intelligent enough. I'm educated enough to do that. But church, it's just words coming out. If God does not give it to me first and quicken this mortal body and quicken this mind, when I speak it unto you, there's going to be no power. There's going to be no anointing to where it touches and it pierces all the way through the hardness into your heart. It comes from above. It does not come from man. Amen. Also, I want to tell you about the Heavenly Father. Church, He is our protector. He's not just the spiritual head of the family. The Father is the provider, and also the Father is the protector of the family. Church, we have a responsibility to protect what is ours. But that responsibility, that power, that anointing only comes from the Heavenly Father first that allows you to be that protector. And I want to tell you, you should be very protective of your family. You should be very protective of your God. You know, one of the only times that we see anger is okay in the Word of God. Anybody know what it is? It's where Jesus was in the temple. The only time we see anger prevalent, I'll give you another one in just a second, is when Jesus was in the temple. And Jesus saw the money changers. He saw what they were doing in his father's house. And Jesus, he gets a whip. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Jesus with a whip? My Lord, is that not frightening? All power, all knowing. Come on, he's running around with a whip. My Lord. That switch your mama used to whip you with ain't got, had nothing on that whip from the Lord. People still whip their kids. Five of you did good. It says, he who spareth the rod hated the child, by the way. Bible. I love them so much I can't whip them. Well, they're going to turn around and whip you in about ten years. got to teach them respect. Amen. You love them. You love them enough. Jesus gets the whip and he runs them out of the temple. You have made a den of thieves, a mockery in my father's house. You know another example? One of my favorites is David. 
believe David, he, they called him a youth, so he had to be between 15 and 19 years old because when they were 20 years old, they were called men of war. They were numbered for war. They had to be part of the military. They had to go fight. David is called a youth, so he was between 15 and 19 years old, if you ever wondered. David shows up to bring his brother's food, and he hears Goliath running his mouth. Something begins to happen in the youth. Same thing that should happen in you and I. David begins to feel righteous anger. David begins to act out as a protector of the things of God. Amen? Even as a youth, he began to build inside of him. David probably began to pace like I'm doing now. Who is this guy out here talking? Well, he's a 10-foot giant. Don't, don't say nothing too loud. David's like, I don't care. Who, who is it? Who is he speaking? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is talking about our God? And his voice began to rise up just a little bit more as that anger began to build inside of him. He began to ask, how come nobody's going out to fight him? His brother said, I know who you are. You just want to show out. Keep your mouth shut. And he said, have I done anything wrong? Is there not a cause? Is not this man, this giant, this heathen, talking about our God. He said, I'll go. I don't need your armor. I can't wear it anyway. What are you going to take? I'm going to take the same things that I slew the bear and I slew the lion with, which is stones in this sling, because the lion came to take my sheep when I was a shepherd and I had responsibility to watch over it and I went and slew the lion and I took my lamb out of the mouth of the lion. And the same God that gave me charge to be the protector over the sheep will deliver this giant into my hand because it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord, saith the Lord of hosts. And David slew, he took down the giant that was coming against his God and coming against his family. Church, you men, you are the protector, you fathers of your family. But your power comes from the Lord. It only comes from the Lord. It comes from your heavenly Father. Another thing I want to tell you about being a father is that you are, if it's in proper alignment, you should be the husband to your wife. Church, I want to tell you, you know what one of the biggest problems in Christianity is right now? It's spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery. We say, I trust the Lord for everything, yet we try and do it on our own. We trust the Lord for this. We seek the Lord for that intimacy. We seek the Lord for that love. We seek the Lord, but yet we go out and sin, seeking it in other avenues and other capacities. It's called spiritual adultery. If you went out and cheated on your spouse, looking for love in all the wrong places, as they call it, wasn't that like a song or something? Come on, I know you gray-headed people. Don't act like y'all don't know. I, I never watched Urban Cowboy. I've been in church my whole life. You're out looking for love in all the wrong places. That's what we do a lot of times with Christianity. We look for fulfillment. We look for all these.
these things from another source other than the Lord. Have you seen the statistics of how many men are addicted to pornography? It's staggering. Staggering. I read a report about a man one time that lost his job because he was addicted to pornography. He couldn't even control himself at work in an office environment. He was addicted. People looking for fulfillment and other sources in the Lord. The Bible tells us that Christ is all that we need. Amen? If we are going to truly be the bride of Christ, we have to seek intimacy only from the Lord. When you take up something and try and do it on your own and try and seek it outside of God's provision and God's alignment, what you're doing is committing spiritual adultery with the Lord. You're spitting on the cross and saying, it wasn't good enough. You know, I, I know it said it's through the cross, but I have to add to it. I have to do this. I have to do that. You're actually committing spiritual adultery on the Lord. If you are truly going to be a father, you have to be the husband of the wife. And if we are the bride of Christ, if we're going to receive the provision of the Lord and be that father that God created us to be, then you are going to have to be faithful unto your husband, which is Jesus Christ. Is anybody hearing me today? Come on, it's Christ plus nothing. God has called us as men to be all of these things. And lastly, I want to tell you about being a father. Is that you are the father to your children. I want to tell you today, America is full of men who have abandoned being a father to their children. But my Bible tells me that my Heavenly Father will never leave me nor forsake me. Maybe some of you have a rough childhood and your father was not what he should have been. I want to tell you today, I want to speak truth and the gospel, the good news into your life today, our Heavenly Father will never leave you nor forsake you. He is always the Father that you can run to, you can cling to, you can trust, you can literally climb up in His lap any time that you want to, and He always has time, He has love, He has compassion, and He has provision for you. He always will give that unto you. The Bible tells us this in the book of Acts, it says, to come to the throne room of grace in your time of need and seek of him that which you need, that we can walk boldly into the throne room of his presence and get that which we need. Come on, church, he's never too busy to take time for us. If you fathers are truly going to be fathers, you are also going to have to be fathers to your children as your heavenly father has been a father to you. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Verse 5 would say this in John chapter 14. Thomas says unto him, Lord, we know not whether you go and how can we know the way. And verse 6 says this, Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by 
break this down in the Greek, the word here used for way is going to be hodos. And it actually means a path or a roadway. But what it really means is a journey. So Jesus Christ is saying right here, I am the journey. Hallelujah. Church, when you got married to your spouse, if you're married this morning, you know what you did when you said I do to that spouse? You were saying there is no other person on this earth that I would rather take this grand adventure and this journey on than with you. I do. Amen? And that is what we have done when we accepted Jesus Christ to be our personal Lord and Savior. We said I do to him. We became his bride. The word of God tells us Jesus Christ was saying unto them, I am the journey that you shall go on and go with in this great relationship to get to the Father. I am the truth. I am the aletheia. I am the absolute truth that you will ever encounter in your life. There's nothing but half-truths, but I am the full and absolute truth, the only absolute truth in this whole universe. And I am the life. I am the zoe. I am the absolute life. Every other life is not a right and proper life. You can only have this through a life with me. Amen? I'm going to give you an illustration real quick, and then I'll dismiss us. Amen? Brother Billy, you can come up if you would just for a few moments. I've mentioned this illustration many times to you. In fact, I would say it's probably my favorite illustration that I know. So if you've heard it many times, just bear with me today. It's this. There was a man who had one son. And he was extremely wealthy. Extremely rich. And this was in the 60s. And his son came to him and said, Dad, I want to go to fight in the Vietnam War because I want to help rescue all of the fellow soldiers, I want to fight for our country. I want to fight for what's right. I want to fight for what's proper. I want to go. And the dad told him, son, you're my only son. Please don't go over there. It's going to be dangerous. You're going to lose your life. The son went anyway. And the son was killed in battle. And then the father went into a deep depression. And it was about a year later that the father heard a knock at the door. And when he opened this door, he saw this young man that was about the same age as his son standing there. And he said, Sir, I know you don't know who I am, but I have something for you. I want to tell you, you see, your son died saving my life. And he said, I don't have anything, but I've always been a pretty good painter. And so I painted this painting of your son. And so he unrolled the painting and he showed it to the father. And sure enough, it was his son. It looked identical to him. And this young man was over his shoulder and he was running with him. And his son had a sheer look of determination. You see, he had made his face like flint to make sure that he rescued this other young man. And he said, I want to give this to you because your son died for me. I owe my life to him. 
The father thanked him. He took it. And this man was extremely wealthy. The father then from that point forward began to pour his entire fortune into buying paintings. He bought Monet's. He bought the Rembrandt's. He bought the Michelangelo. He bought all the expensive paintings that he could. He bought them all, the Picassos, everything. He was extremely wealthy. He had an extreme collection of paintings, unlike any other. And the man in his old age finally passed away. And so there was a great auction that had to occur. And so all the rich people from all over the world, they came because they wanted to buy of these paintings. The auctioneer stood up. And he said, we're about to begin the auction now. This is going to be the first painting that's going to be sold. And it was the painting of his son with the, with the other soldier. He said, okay, what does the bid start with this first painting at? Silence. We're here for the auction, are we not? This is the first painting. How much do we bid? Silence. Finally, a man said, Sir, look, we're here for the Picassos. We're here for the Rembrandts. We're here for the Monets. We don't even know who this painter is. We're not interested in this painting. The auctioneer said, I told you all these paintings have to go. This is the first painting. How much do we offer for the painting? There was a small voice in the very back. Sir? Yes. It was the butler. The butler stood up and he said, I don't have much money. He said, but that painting is of the young man that was the father's son. He said, I helped raise that boy. He said, I will buy it. He said, well, how much do you give? He said, I don't have much. I've been a butler my whole life. He said, I have $50. The auctioneer looked at him, hit his hammer, the label on the, on the thing three times. He says, going once, going twice, sold to the butler in the back. The auctioneer then took the books and he closed them and he walked down from the podium. And as he walked down, everyone stood up and said, wait a second, where are you going? What are you doing? We've only sold this one painting here. We haven't even got to the good stuff. We're here to buy these paintings. And the auctioneer says, no, sir, you don't understand. You see, there was a stipulation in the will that said, whoever gets the son gets it all. Whoever gets the son gets the father. You want the blessings of the Father? It comes through His Son, Jesus Christ, who loves you, who died for you, who gave His life for you. And He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, I know some of you got to go. If you got to go, go ahead. But I want to give you an opportunity this morning just to respond into His Word.
You see, maybe you have heard of the Heavenly Father. And you said, Brother Joey, I just don't stack up, and I know it's because of me. I need some help to be that man, to be that father. Would God help me? I want to encourage you today. You step out by faith and step to Him and see if He does not pour you out a blessing. Oh, would you come this morning? Would you stand today? Would you come this morning? Come on, if this word was spoken to you, come on, you fathers, don't wait, don't tarry. Come on, don't look around. If this word was for you today, would you come unto the Lord and allow Him to change you into the Father He created you to be? Come on this morning. Come on, it's not just for dads this morning. What about you women? Come on, maybe you've backslidden and you need a touch from the Lord, a refreshing a revival today. Would you come this morning?
Church, is he good? Hallelujah. I pray that the Lord spoke to you today. Amen. I pray that he encouraged your heart, that you heard the gospel, the good news. I want to tell you, it's never too late until you're six feet under. Amen. As long as you have breath in your lungs, it's never too late to come unto the Lord. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you are. He will take you just as you are, and he will begin to work in you from that point. God is no respecter of persons. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, he loves you today. He thanks you today. I want you to go home and spend time with your families as you've enjoyed and spent time in the presence of the Lord today. Whatever you enjoy with your families, allow the Lord to be in the midst of it. Just enjoy your time with Him. Come on, just invite Him in. And He will bless you. Hallelujah. Don't forget about tomorrow night's the Men's Fellowship. By the way, Brother Joe Graham leads that group, the Men's Fellowship. If you want to get with him, you can talk to him. If you've never been to one, that's the gentleman over here in the blue shirt. We'd love to have you come out. Amen. Come see us also Wednesday night if you can. Love y'all. God bless y'all. Amen. See y'all at the next service. Have a good time today.